Welcome back to another episode of Whisk Pro Sports. My name is Jesse. I am the host of this podcast where we recap the last week in the Packers, the Bucks, and the Brewers. Today is Wednesday, February 12th, and pitchers and catchers reported for the Brewers. So that is officially the first step into the new season with basically half of a new roster. It's, I mean, hey, 134 days since the Brewers lost in the wildcard round. Seems more recent than that, honestly, to me. I'm not sure why, but either way, it's a new season. The beginning of the spring, spring training games is just a week and a half away. So that's kind of cool. I mean, it's kind of cool. But, of course, it's Bucks season. It is after Packers season, shortly after, so there's not a whole lot going on there. But nevertheless, as always, we will start with recapping the last week in the Green Bay Packers. The big talk around football right now is mostly about the XFL, which I don't know if any of you watch, but it's definitely worth at least checking out. I think it's awesome. It's kind of fun to see real competitive football after all football is over with. You get an extra 12 weeks of it every single week. It's kind of awesome. Extra three months of football with improvised rules. So you're kind of like, it's like learning a game that you've known for a hundred years or however long you've been following football, you know? It's pretty sweet. So that's mostly the talk of the XFL, but in terms of the Packers, obviously not a whole lot going on still. The big news, I would say, uh, one thing would be uh, former Packers cornerback Devon House has retired. He hasn't played for the Packers since the beginning of the 2018 season, but nevertheless, he wanted to retire as a member of the Packers. He played six seasons with the Packers. He was drafted in the fourth round in 2011. He ended with 123 tackles, three interceptions, three sacks, a forced fumble, fumble recovery, and 46 passes defended. So not like he's going to be, you know, a Hall of Famer or anything. He had a solid six seasons. We remember him. He came after the Super Bowl just just barely, but he was a good corner. Most people, when they they saw the news on Twitter, the, the replies are mostly, who is that? We know. We know. We like Devon House. I like Devon House at least. But yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the big things the Packers have going on. Not nothing else too crazy. This isn't really a recapping part of it at all. Um, but I do think it's important to talk about when you talk about the Packers. Looking at free agency, there are a clear two players that are going to be cut. I mean, it's almost certain. I think and that's Jimmy Graham, which I'm sure everybody is really excited about, and it's Lane Taylor. Jimmy Graham. Cutting Jimmy Graham will add $8 million to, to the cap space for the next year. And Lane Taylor will add another $4.5 million. So $12.5 million is a lot of money to play around with, especially when you already have a bunch of tight ends, especially a young tight end like Jay Sternberger, to hopefully you can you know grow him into a real tight end because, honestly, is there really that big of a gap between you know, a second-year tight end who didn't really get that many snaps and what Jimmy Graham did for us last year. I think by the time the playoffs can come around, Chase could put up some production that's similar to Jimmy Graham by the end of the season. And I think that would be the smart move. We saved $8 million right there. And then Lane Taylor, $4.5 million. Not the greatest offensive lineman. It's one of the needs for the Packers. Most people have settled on the consensus that it goes inside linebacker, wide receiver, O-line, D-line in terms of priority for uh, draft and uh, trades or whatever, what, what, however you construct the roster. 
those are the positions you want to look at. And as much talk as there is about how good the wide receiver class is, it's not for sure that the Packers will even take one. They might even trade out of the first round, see what they can get for it. But really, the biggest reason to not go into all the draft stuff is because so much changes. Like every single day I read something new about it. It's a totally new idea. It's not worth getting into, but those are the four positions that the, that the Packers are going to be looking at. And honestly, anything outside of that will be kind of surprising because when when don't the Packers draft O-line, honestly? They've been drafting secondary for a while now. I think they're good there. It'd be kind of cool if you if you follow the Badgers. It'd be kind of cool to see Chris Orr get his shot with the Packers. Chris Orr is one of the most highly ranked linebackers in college. I don't know what he could do for the Packers, but it'd be nice to see, you know, an actual Badger linebacker. Like it would've been great to have T.J. Watt, but Chris Orr is not T.J. Watt. I don't anticipate him to be, but still, still, it would be fun to see. That's probably good on the Packers, though. Really, nothing to recap, and that's what we're doing here. So what we, that's what we do. We recap the last week. So we'll move on to my favorite, the Milwaukee Bucks. They still win. They're on a five-game winning streak right now, 14 of the last 15. Tonight, Wednesday night, they will play the Indiana Pacers, the last game before the All-Star break, and they don't play again until next Thursday, I believe. So I'm very excited for the game tonight and also sad that I won't get to watch just the Bucks play for over a week. Now, obviously, Chris and Giannis and Pat will be a part of the All-Star festivities, so that's exciting. But nevertheless, it's not the same as a regular Bucks basketball game. And as I will always, I will, especially when you know they're just winning. You gotta choose. You gotta choose one game to focus on each week. And I'm gonna do this one's pretty easy. The Philadelphia 76ers game from last Thursday, Friday. Either way, late last week, they Philadelphia 76ers traveled to Pfizer Forum to take on the Bucks. And now the the Bucks have been without George Hill for a little bit. I don't remember if I mentioned that last week, but hamstring strain, nothing serious. Just you know, he's an older player, gonna sit this one out, rest it up. I'm sure he'll be fine by next Thursday's game. But yeah, they have had to, they've had to deal with a little bit of injury lately, which makes you think about what what the Bucks are gonna do with the rest of the buyout market. Now, I have to take one second to just acknowledge how stupid I was last week saying that absolutely expect the Bucks to make a trade. That was so closed-minded of me. It was just, how did I not think it was going to be the buyout market? Just, I guess, really recency bias where the Bucks picked up Miritich two hours before the deadline last year. It just didn't make sense this year. It just didn't. Nothing about it made sense. The Bucks have, through the through the trades the last couple of years under Horse, they've gotten rid of almost all bad contracts. I'd say the only, uh, not even bad contracts, just all like the mid level contracts. Like the only guys getting paid, you know, the big bucks on the Bucks are starters, and even like not even West. Like and then the rest, you know, the rest of the players are like West, where they're getting like four million or less. A lot of them are on vet minimum. It's a totally different thing. It's just, it's just, I should have seen it. I should have seen it. The only tradable piece was Ursan at 7 million in. 
compared to what other teams have to offer, and we had that first round pick from Indiana too, but compared to what other teams had to offer, the Bucks weren't even close. And you also pair that with the fact that everybody thinks they have a chance this year, especially in the West, where that's where a lot of your trades will come from. A lot of people like to trade with the opposite conference because you won't have to face the consequences of maybe if that player ends up being really good with that team. The worst case scenario is you face them in the finals. That's a long shot. So you like to do a lot of stuff between conferences. In the Western Conference, legitimately 12, 13 teams think they have a chance to make the playoffs. So all these factors just kind of shows why. I mean, it should have been more obvious to me that there wasn't going to be a trade and that the buyout market was much more likely. And it clearly was because the Bucks added Marvin Williams, a forward from the Charlotte Hornets. He's shooting about 37% from three this year. He is 33 years old. He was the, I believe, the second overall pick in 2005 draft. So he's quite a veteran at this point. He will soak up a lot of Ursan's minutes. Pretty much means DJ is not going to see the floor unless garbage timer. You know, Bud just kind of has some interesting rotations. Marvin hasn't seen the floor yet. He just was officially, they announced it shortly after the uh, trade deadline ended because I'm sure this was already in place. But he has yet to play a game yet. He was only officially signed on Monday. So tonight, tonight I could definitely uh, see that, uh, considering that Giannis won't be playing tonight. And if you don't know why, he didn't play Monday either. Giannis just had his first baby, baby boy, Liam Charles Antetokounmpo. I'm not sure what Liam is from, but Charles was his father's name. All of his merchandise, all of his sales, like anything he makes um, Greek freak related has something to do with Charles and Veronica's parents, so not surprising there. Girlfriend Mariah doing well. Everything's good. So, yeah, everything's good. That's kind of kind of a good, you know, just feel-good thing in the middle of the season. And Giannis even mentioned it, and we're all thinking it, and it's nice that he mentioned it because it makes it okay for us to at least talk about it. Hopefully he gets the Fred Van Vliet bump, where Fred Van Vliet was shooting like 30% in the playoffs last year and then has a baby mid you know, mid playoffs against the Bucks and shoots 87%. Now, yes, isn't going to shoot 87% for the rest of the season, but any bump at all would be greatly appreciated. Just get into the just free throw line bump, just the free throw line bump. But that's all, that's all good news. So, really, in the last week in the Bucks, it's been pretty good. Now to the game that I was originally talking about the Bucks and the Sixers. The Bucks won 112 to 101. I talk about the Sixers because before the season started and even up until the last few weeks, a lot of people have chosen them to be the representative of the Eastern Conference, despite what the Bucks have been doing. And even with all the issues that Philadelphia has shown this season in terms of, you know, team chemistry. I mean, really, it's just team chemistry, like not and a lot falls into that. It's Embiid not being in shape, not taking leadership. Embiid and Simmons not working together well on the floor at the exact same time. Embiid clogging the rim for Simmons and you know just not allowing the offense to flow because Simmons has shown that he can do a whole lot more when Embiid is off the floor than with him on. The Sixers are also the only team with four players that are being paid $100 million or more. In In every way, they should be much better than they are yet they sit in the fifth seed 
not even with home court advantage in the East. And they would absolutely need it because they can never win at home. They're, or at, uh, excuse me, they can never win on the road. They're really good at home. They can't win on the road at all. And I mean, against the Bucks, it's just it's just not going to happen. Giannis had something to prove in this game. He did play this game. This was before the baby. Giannis in 35 minutes was 13 of 25. So that's missing 12 shots. Six of those were threes. He was one for seven from three. So just really effective from two-point range. Nine for 12 on free throws. That is one thing he has been doing well on lately. His free throws, he is, uh, his usual routine is taking probably eight, nine, ten dribbles. There's not a set amount, but usually uh, what he explains is he wants to catch his breath, whatever that means for him, whatever it is. He just feels that he knows when to shoot. Lately, he's cut it down to five, and I believe exactly five dribbles which I I mean, I only played Division Four high school basketball as a short white kid, but I thought I always thought the less dribbles, the easier. You just don't think about it. So hopefully, and it looks like it's working for Giannis too, so hopefully he keeps that up and, you know, stays within himself there. But 36 points, 20 rebounds, 6 assists. Again, 36 points, 20 rebounds, 6 assists. In only three turnovers, which is low for him and how much he's get, he's getting the ball lately. And also against a really good defensive team. That was one of the best games of the year for Giannis. It was awesome to see the team. I, I mean, it always flows around Giannis, but I mean, and obviously they have a lot of other players. The Bucks are undefeated this season without Giannis, 5-0, and and four of those are double-digit wins. When you go against a team, especially a team that just smacked them, just smacked him on Christmas, ruined Christmas, ruined Christmas to see the revenge come back. I mean, it was awesome. It was awesome. Chris Middleton has been insane lately. He was also very good this game with 27 and three, 27 and three. So 20 points, seven rebounds, three assists on eight of 17. Eric Bledsoe has been doing better lately. He wasn't as good in this game. Only six of 14 for 14 points. I think I talked about it last week, and I probably have talked about it more. Brooke Lopez and Wesley Matthews have been abysmal from three compared to what we expect. Much, much, much better lately. Wes in this game was two of three from deep, and he's just been he's just been hitting. He's been on the last few games, and it's awesome. It's so helpful, especially because he adds so much on defense when we're you know, taking on these top teams, he really steps up on defense. So to see him also add the three-pointer, which, I mean, he can't really drive and create for himself like Bledsoe does. He can't, you know, take step backs like Chris. He kind of has to have those catch-and-shoot threes, and he's been hitting it lately. So that's something to keep an eye on, something hopefully he can keep working on and keep consistent. Brooke in this game was 0 for 3, not so hot, but, but, he has been good lately. I didn't get to catch all of Monday's game, but I believe he was between Saturday's and Monday's game. I believe he made seven threes in a row, at least. At least. He was five for five, I know, on Saturday. And Monday he started out nice. I didn't again I didn't get to see it all. But yeah. Those two guys hitting threes, especially especially Brooke hitting threes. 
that's kind of a big thing of the team is stretching stretching it out, having a big that can, you know, take the other team's five out. You know, if you're taking on the the Lakers or you're taking on, I mean, I guess in the Eastern you're taking on. Uh, it looked like Joel Embiid was guarding was guarding uh, Giannis for a lot of the game, but if you know you see Joel on on Brook or you have Mark Gasol Raptors on Brook, it's nice to have those guys stretch it out so Giannis can penetrate, bring more guys into the paint, kick it out, have more wide open looks. You just need Brook Lopez to be hitting threes, and he's been under thirty percent on the season, and he's made it look much better lately. It's a big deal. It's definitely a big deal. And I just, you can only just hope that it continues. Now the bench, the bench has been a little bit rough lately, and I think a lot of that, a lot of that has to do with George Hill not being available. He's just such a facilitator. He spreads the floor so well. I mean, I, I guess he's kind of he hasn't played in a while, so you kind of forget what he does on the court a little bit, just because he's you know a bench player mostly, just known for you know shooting the best three point percentage in the league right now. But he does a lot for the bench unit that hasn't been there lately. Dante can't always get it done. He's still new. He, it's nice to have Dante and George Hill in at the same time. So they can run, you know, George Hill can run point. Dante can, can just, you know, move around, just be the quick little, the quick little sucker that he is. Yeah. I mean, just, just need George Hill back on the, on the, in terms of the bench, but the bucks still top of the league. 46 and 7. Just wrecking everybody. Now, it's almost kind of, it's not necessary, obviously, but it's very much helpful that they are still at such a consistent pace, still at the 70 win pace, because the Toronto Raptors don't look now, but are on a 15 game win streak. 15. The Bucks, what was it, 18 19 early in the season? I mean, the Raptors are right there with the Bucks' longest win streak of the season. And that's all without, you know, Kawhi Leonard. They have the same teams last year, but without Kawhi Leonard. They've even been battling injuries. Gasol has been out a bunch. Ibaka's been out. They have things to fight through. They've had things to fight through, and they're still just rolling. And they now have the third best record in the NBA. Tied with the Lakers for wins and two more losses. So really not that far behind. Still six games behind the Bucs. It's not like we're worried about them passing us anytime soon, but I mean, if you wrote off, if you wrote off the Raptors just because they didn't have Kawhi, it's, I mean, they're showing a lot of signs of what the Bucks are doing, where you keep relatively the same team. Obviously, the Bucks didn't lose anybody of Kawhi's magnitude at all, but just like the Bucks, everybody on the Raptors has gotten better this year. Pascal Siakam is an All-Star starter. Lowry is a reserve. Fred Van Vliet still balling. They still have a lot of good players, a lot of really good players, and they're all better than last year. So if we're looking at the Eastern Conference as a whole, what we can expect in the playoffs, I think a lot of people still think the Heat are right up there. I question their size. I don't know how they would do against the size. The only way they beat the Bucks in seven games is if four of those, they just shoot absolute lights out from three, which they absolutely could. But, I mean, I feel pretty good about the Heat. The Raptors, on the other hand, that's a scary team to play. And just because the Bucks aren't a 70-game win pace, just because they're, you know, one of the best ever, doesn't mean anything come playoffs. And I think that's the general consensus outside of Milwaukee. People that aren't 
fans of Milwaukee, they look at the Bucks as okay, the same team as last year. They'll what we ask them to do in the playoffs, and obviously, if you watch them every night like we do, you can see that they're better than last. Year. You can see the differences. Nevertheless, that's going to be the narrative. It's not going to help. It's not going to. It's not going to get boosted up until until something changes in the playoffs. And I mean, every single week, every single week, you just kind of it solidifies more that this has to be the year. This has to be at least the first of many years that the Bucks start making the finals and and even start winning them because you just you just never know year by year how your team's going to perform, who's going to be on your team. You have to take advantage. When it's your time, it's your time. You have to do it. And it's definitely the Bucks' time. It absolutely is. To go to have as good of a season as they did last year, end it the way they did, and then be in an even better position in the next season, you just got to get it done. You just do. Lastly, we'll recap a little bit in the Brewers. There are a couple stories just to touch on real quick. No particular order, I guess. First off, we'll start, if you remember, Ron Renneke, the Brewers manager, a few years ago for some time. And if you've been following the whole Astros thing, that's a whole other thing that if you haven't been following it, just Google it. It's everywhere. I couldn't catch you up on it myself. It's busy. Basically, Ron Renneke is going to be the next manager of the Red Sox, not the Astros. It started with the Astros. It's a whole thing. Just a whole blow up. He's going to be the next manager of the Red Sox, so good for him. That's pretty cool. But they just traded away Mookie Betts and David Price. But I don't really get it. It's not my team. I'm not going to look too hard into it. But good for Ron Renneke. Way to see him get another manager job. That's pretty cool. Again, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, pitchers and catchers reported. Pitchers and catchers reported, and that's a big step to the next season. The first spring training game will be not this Sunday, but next Sunday, the 23rd in Arizona against San Diego. And that's, I mean, that's just when it starts getting rolling. Now, there's this measuring metric that, I mean, obviously analytics are the big thing in all sports, especially, especially baseball. I think it's called the, the Picada, the Picota. I don't even know exactly how it works. There's so many of these analytic companies that make predictions, whatever. This is one of the more highly respected ones. They project a, a range um, for each team to win a, a range of games and just do a simulation, you know, thousands of times and whatever is most frequent, you know, they just take the average of it and just say, this is our prediction for how many wins you're going to have next season. They have the Brewers at under 500 at 79 wins fourth in the division they have the reds at 86 the cubs at 85 the cardinals at 82 brewers 79 and the pirates 75 wins obviously and especially we've seen it the last two seasons you have no idea what baseball can do i totally thought last year that the brewer season was over i totally thought that same thing the year before you just never really know exactly until it's over. I mean, if there's 40 games left, that could add 40 wins. You just never know. That being said, not not good. Not looking good. Just from a pure talent standpoint, the, the Cardinals, the Cubs, and the Reds all, all have a leg up now. 
obviously coaching, teamwork, just playing at your potential, above your potential, below your potential, all that can factor into how well how well your team does. But we'll just keep that in mind that initially we're ranked fourth in the division with about 79 wins. We'll just keep that in mind. Other than that, the last week in the Brewers has been quiet. I mean, the rosters aren't going to change too much here coming up. Hopefully no injuries happen in the next few weeks. Hopefully spring training goes well. We'll monitor it, but I'm not a huge spring training guy. It's not real baseball. It's so far away. I'm just jealous that they get to play baseball in Arizona while we're all stuck here cold and just doing our normal everyday stuff. Whatever. Whatever, Brewers. Lucky. Just lucky. That's awesome. I wish. I wish I could be in Arizona. That'll be the end of this episode of Wispro Sports. Episode 24, episode 25, something like that. I don't know. Either way, I will be posting this on my Twitter for this account, at WISCPRO, W-I-S-C-P-R-O. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you guys again next Wednesday.